It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, Torin. 30, episode 30, episode 30. Look, if I was on like video, you'd see me doing a little wobble or something because I'm like, (laughs) we move, you know, we moving through the year, JS. We moving. We are. We are. I can't believe it's already October. Yeah. And, uh, uh, by the way, before we even before we even get started, I just want you to know, um, I believe that this week you are going to meet a very special person. I got a chance to rock with him on Friday for a brief moment. Mr. Daryl Graves was at Howard University uh, and I got a chance to see him during Howard's homecoming. Nice. And he tells me that you are going to be rocking with him a little bit while you are in San Francisco. So shout out to Daryl Graves, one of our consistent and, you know, trusted and vital listeners over at Workday. We appreciate you, good brother. Yes, we do. Yep. I'm going to be disappointed if I leave uh, San Francisco without at least uh, having a cocktail or some lunch with Daryl. So I'm looking forward to that big time. Beautiful. Beautiful thing. So I know earlier in the week we celebrated uh, Indigenous Peoples Day. Some folks still refer to it as Columbus Day, but I wanted to to actually share a quote that I received through um, an incredible, what I believe an incredible uh, person in the media space, Miss Ella McGirt. The quote went like this, Julie. It says, consider this. When I make a land acknowledgement statement at a corporate event, even or perhaps especially Fortune's own, the likelihood that a Native American executive will be in the room is exceedingly low. It makes the statement that much more poignant. Until all are able to present in every room they aspire to, the only way forward is by understanding the past, end quote. Again, said by Ellen McGirt in her newsletter, Race Ahead, earlier this week, Monday to be exact. And really what she was doing was, uh, as I stated, she was making a statement in reference to Indigenous Peoples Day, unfortunately still referred to as Columbus Day. But the statement was around land acknowledgement statements. And her message is extremely clear that we must, and once we know, we must actively be honest. And there's a difference between you know, being that silent ally, Julie, and a person who is actively honest, who is vocally honest, who is persistently honest, who is aggressively honest. There is a very, very big difference between the latter and that passive ally, that quiet, supportive, I don't do anything wrong individual. I don't see color individual. There's a Big, big difference. And and the reason I bring this up is because that that sat with me. I wrestled with that over the last several days when I think about various events in our community and in our workplace. I know you've heard what happened down in Dallas over the weekend. Another individual being shot in their home. I know you've heard of various assaults that have been taking place in classrooms and in workplaces, race-related assaults that are taking place. We have to do better 
as people. And part of doing better as people is recognizing the history, paying respect to the truth of history and to becoming actively honest. And so I just wanted us to start with that reminder to those that were here before us, we appreciate and we have a deep amount of respect for for you, your tribes, for, for all of you, and for all that you have lost. It's unfortunate, but we are most certainly actively honest with you. I, well, I think we have, a, we have a lot of work to do. I was actually sitting out uh, in a lobby earlier this week or actually last week. And some sales guys were coming in to do a pitch at the same company I was. And one guy said, hey, you know, well, we're out of, out of school on Monday because of Indigenous Peoples Day, blah, blah, blah. And the other guys kind of laughed and said, well, that must be the fancy thing that you guys do at your school because at ours, we're just out for Columbus Day. We don't really need to be fancy. And it was it was very jokey, ha ha. And it, it was frustrating because you could tell the guy who cared about Indigenous People Day, did not know how to respond to just sort of the casual, I guess I would say, racism that was a part of his his work team. And he just kind of laughed and went on. But, you know, it was. It's like, for especially for Native American and Indigenous people, I don't think that we do a very good job of taking their plight seriously. And just even these like minor steps of renaming a a day that should have been renamed, you know, decades ago, is just that hard for people to kind of get around. And I think you hit spot on, Torn, is that people don't appreciate and they don't know the past and they really don't understand the impact of that past and how relevant it is to Indigenous peoples still every single day today in the things that are happening to them, their opportunities, and how they make their way in this America. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to, you know, in part the direction that we we are hoping to take Crazy and the King. We really appreciate all of you that are listening, have been listening, that have been subscribing, sharing the pod with others in your digital tribe on and offline talking about Crazy and the King. We don't take any of that for granted and Julie and I are in many ways we're novices at doing this work right here. This work of of doing podcasting. We're novices, but you've stuck with us for you know, every month in in 2019. And and I suspect that you will be with us in 2020. And just know that for us, we take this work seriously. Um, And in the midst of our busy schedules and the commitments that we have, we are still trying to carve out time to figure out how to creatively deliver a more superior, a more excellent product. We're not comparing ourselves to anyone else. We're comparing ourselves to ourselves. We want to deliver for all of our listeners an excellent and superior product. So continue to stick with us. We promise that we're going to continue to deal, uh, to dig deep, to turn over stones, to find guests and voices and people like Ellen McGirt of Race Ahead. You can get on Twitter and do hashtag Race Ahead. If you've not seen her newsletter, it's an incredible read every single week. I highly encourage you to uh, to review such. And if you can find the issue from this past Monday and get some of the history that she put in such around land acknowledgement statements, I think that your week will be all the better for such. So thank you for allowing me to start it that way, Julie. How you want to rock uh, with story number one? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of a, a little bit of a lighter story. So this one is from Adweek and it always astounds me. Adweek is one of my 
go-tos to talk or to find stories for the podcast about diversity and inclusion, which I love. Um, but this one is particular in particular about what's changed at Papa John's since the ouster of, of the pizza chain's founder in, I believe that was 2018. Torn, I, I assume that you know the story about Papa John's CEO being kicked out uh, of his company. Yeah, you know, he, he had a potty mouth sitting on the conference <laughs> call in the meeting with, you know, a whole bunch of folks. You understand what I'm saying? Just potty mouth. Yes, got the story. Dumb, 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 awful behavior by by Don Shatner, um, the founder of and CEO of Papa John's. And smartly, their board said, hey, we can't deal with this kind of a, a PR nightmare, and we don't want to be led by a person who is spewing racist and, and very ignorant statements on conference calls with franchise holders. And so he's been replaced twice uh, since 2019. I'm sorry, since 2017. The the really great thing is post Shatner leaving, they started to focus on disability equity and inclusion, including, which is good, right? I mean, how do we take lemons and make lemonade? This is the way a company can start to come back after failure instead of just ignoring the problem and ignoring the issue. So I, I definitely applaud Papa John's for starting. And so they have actually, uh, in 2018, Victoria Russell became the first, not only African-American, but also African-American woman to be a member of Papa John's leadership team. So that I think tells us a lot right there. She'd been with the company for 12 plus years, started it looks like in like marketing and market, marketing analyst. And so when she chose a couple of years ago before this happened to start the first um, diversity and inclusion working committee within Papa John's, um, obviously that active work got her some additional recognition. And now she reports to the CEO about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And Torn, that made me think of a few months ago when we talked about the the CDO survey that came out. Yeah. And how, A, there are not, uh, not enough CDOs in the company or in the country, but they don't have enough power. That's and right. so imagine the ability to report right to the CEO. And she, in this interview with Adweek, it's only like five minutes long. It's a great listen. She says very pointedly that the CEO is really the company's chief diversity officer because everything that is decided and driven by the company starts at the top. And I really appreciate that like really strong statement from her out of the gate and the work that she's start, starting to do. Do you know Victoria? Well, I don't know her, but I know of her, of course, through my uh, presence on Sirius XM. I've had the opportunity to listen to uh, her make a few rounds with some of the hosts on Sirius XM and talk about some of the work that she's doing. Um, most of the work that I've heard about Julie has been uh, around the supplier diversity side um, as one tenant, the franchise side as a secondary tenant, and then tertiary. I I've heard her speak a lot around the messaging. You know, how is it that we shift and massage the messaging that the the customer experiences as they think about and and or interact with Papa John's? And so that's my perimeter familiarity with 
uh, Miss Victoria Russell. I'm encouraged by what I am hearing, but I'd also love to hear more. I'd love to hear after her 13 years and three months with Papa John's, how is it that now that she's a part of leadership and seated at the table, how are you going to agitate them in ways that allows or creates room for more representation at the leadership table, more representation at the board of directors. And so I'm certainly not criticizing her, not pushing her to put the cart before the horse, not even taking into consideration really the amount of time that she's been there because she's had a variety of different roles, willing to give her time. But I would say that, you know, at June of 2020, I'd be trying to do some digging around the internet to find out well, what statements is she making to back up that CEO is the chief diversity officer and what agitation might be happening? I'd love to hear sort of a, uh, a, a synopsis or a report update around June of next year. And she did talk about two of those pillars in the interview. So definitely around supplier diversity, which we know is important and is a is a great first step. And then the multicultural um marketing agency called Nimbus out of Louisville that they have started using, I think it was in 2018, might have been early or late 2017, that's really focused on that marketing message. So we saw Shaq come in and do a commercial in September, Shaquille O'Neal, sorry, do a commercial in September. And it was about a better day at Papa John's. And it was really very opaque in its reference to the the failures of, of 2017 and before. And, and I appreciate that ownership. And I think that's really important. And I think, you know, with Victoria's background, it definitely makes sense that she would be thinking about marketing and messaging. And that's critical. And supplier diversity is a great kind of second or first step there. But what I'd really like to see, Torn, your spot on is what does the diversity start to look like in franchise ownership in employment above entry level, above, you know, store management? Those are those are needed diversity roles, right? Or we need diversity in those roles. But to think that she's the first African-American in leadership in this company really tells us a lot. And she talks in the interview too about how, you know, kind of being the first can you can make you feel alone. And some of the great best practices that she's putting in place for herself, which I'm sure some of our other diversity, equity, and inclusion champions also need to hear to help make her fight sustainable. That was one other piece that I really took from this interview, how to, you know, not recreate the wheel, how to focus on mentorship, how to focus on sustainability within an organization. And it tells you a little bit about how she's feeling. And it will be interesting to see how they change and grow into 2020. And if they can make that transition under her leadership to also think about talent and workforce along with their messaging. Well, you know, uh, she said at a, uh, a chamber of commerce meeting in Greenville, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina. So she said at a, uh, um, uh, a conference there just last week. DNI is not about counting people; it's about making people count. So, uh, shout out to Victoria Russell at Papa John's. We appreciate the work that you're doing, and uh, let's see if you can uh, add some more talented individuals to the board of directors. In addition to Shaquille O'Neal, who was placed on the board back in June of this year. Yeah, so he joined the board. Actually, yeah. Interesting. So they're making some work. They're 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 making progress. They're making progress. Yep. We're, we're, that's all we ask for. Yeah, we that listen, we don't need it to be perfect. We just need it to be authentic. 
you know, never going to be perfect. That's right. Just put forth the effort, put forth the effort. So I wanted to talk quickly um, because, you know, look, Halloween hasn't hit, but it'll be here in a moment. And by the way, I want everyone to know that Julie and I have not forgotten that we are in National Disability Employment Awareness Month. We have not at all forgotten uh, Indeem, hashtag N-D-E-A-M on Twitter. So if you are interested in seeing what's happening, feel free to jump out on Twitter and see what's going good and tag us, tag Crazy and the King so that we might see exactly what it is that you see. Our goal was to bring some voices on, you know, from all areas of disability, whether they be employer related, whether they be the employee, whether they be public policy. So we're still working to, to bring some of those voices. We promise you that we are trying and hopefully we'll be able to accomplish, you know, having a guest or two on uh, before October is up. But I wanted to chat uh, briefly about a story that I found over on hrdive.com. And, you know, this subject comes up each and every year, Julie. It, It comes up at various times throughout the year, but definitely during the holiday season. And the subject that I'm talking about is holiday party. And so over on HR Dive, they have an article from October 11th titled EEOC Pediatric Group Fired Worker Whose Religion Prohibited Her From Attending a Holiday Party. Now, the pause button gets depressed because I want people to think, you know, as you are, as you I don't want you to limit yourself to just holiday party because that that we can get in that frame of mind and and we forget about the other 50 weeks, 46 weeks of the year. But I want you thinking about happy hours, thinking about the impromptu getting together as co-workers. So when we talk about this story, Julie and I, I want you to think and listen through a comprehensive lens and not just one targeted around happy hour. So what happened in the story, Julie, is there was an employee who worked at a pediatric or healthcare related facility and the employee asked to be excused from attending a holiday party. I don't know exactly what year this happened, what month and year doesn't say that, but she really wanted to uh, uh, be excused because she felt like it would subject her to entertainment, immoderate drinking and dancing, and that that would violate her beliefs as a Jehovah's Witness. And so the practice actually fired her immediately via text, immediately via text. The owner's text allegedly said, this is your last day of employment. We can't tolerate religious privileges from anyone. The company allowed others to skip the party for non-religious reasons. And that is what brought the EEOC in like gangbusters. <laughs> so, so we just like put this on the dumb, dumb and dumber of. <laughs> oh right, my God. Right. So, so I will let you off, Julie, because you want to just do whatever it is, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you not attend because of your beliefs and religion. First of all, it's crazy to me that anyone is making a holiday party a mandatory event. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to start there because I, I'd love you are still in a workplace. Let's start there. And of course, you consult with a lot of larger clients. Like, is that a normal practice? I haven't been an employee in twenty something years, so I don't know this to be mandatory. And I don't recall it ever being mandatory that Torin had to be at, at a holiday event. Is that is that something you're familiar with? Yeah. I, I've, so I've never heard of one being 
mandatory. I've heard it being highly encouraged and perhaps frowned upon if you're not present at the holiday party, which is very common in other, you know, even just your happy hours and those kind of things where a lot of times people with certain mental health disabilities or even physical disabilities and access will not be able to or will be uncomfortable attending. And so we do give that coaching a lot in terms of if someone doesn't want to attend an event, Don't force them. Don't guilt them. Don't let it impact because the most likely thing here is that we're going to see is not the the idiocy that we're talking about right now, but that employees who aren't able to attend those for whatever reason don't have that bonding with their coworkers, with their leadership that help them kind of make that network that moves them up the ladder in the company. Yeah, man, I think it's crazy. And so The reason I brought it up is because just in case, you know, someone is new listening to the podcast, has more of an HR slant versus a recruiting, a sourcing, an employer branding, marketing slant. Title seven is is the reason why I'm bringing it up. And Title seven prohibits employers from discriminating against workers based on religion and requires employers to reasonably accommodate an employee's sincerely held religious beliefs unless doing so would pose an undue hardship on the employer. And we can kind of go on, you can read Title Seven, but it reads, it gives an example in the story and the example that it raises, and I want to share this example, the example that it raises is that, you know, as the employer, I can try to make that reasonable accommodation. So for instance, if I'm a truck driver and I have a religious belief or prohibition that prevents me from working on a Sunday. The employer can say, all right, well, we will give you Sundays off. Or Julie, the employer can say, let's take your route and give it to another individual that can work that route on Sundays. And we will assign you to a different route. Now that different route may accommodate you not having to work on Sunday, but it also may pay you less. It may be a less important route it may not have as many stops. It may not carry the same um, value of delivery, if you will. And so you, in effect, can be moved to a different position, make less money, continue your employment, have your religious request honored. And the EEOC and everyone is going to look at that scenario and say, everything is fair. So I just want to make people aware of it. We're not asking you to be dumb and dumber like this pediatric firm but we're also not encouraging you to do things that are going to be detrimental to your business. We just want you to be aware of Title VII, the ramifications of not being aware or adhering to Title VII, but that there are ways around, you know, trying to exhibit the type of inclusion that Julie and I are adamant about um, in ways that are, you know, I'll just put it under the category of fair to all parties involved. And just so you know, not showing up at the holiday party is not an undue hardship. Uh, no. Seems like a good, <laughs> easy no, answer to it's that not question. an undue hardship. Not <laughs> at all. Not at all. So, not at all. But, but we want to make sure you all uh, recognize that. And listen, we will put the link in the show notes like we always do. Great time for you to click on it, read the story, tweet the story out. Don't be afraid to put hashtag crazy in the king with the story. If it requires you to delete the title, delete the title, delete the title. You know, as long as people get the link, they'll see the image. 
They'll be able to click on it. They'll go to the story. We love HR Dive, but we want to make sure that you put the hashtag crazy in the king in so people are, you know, becoming familiar with us as well as the information that we are sharing out there. So uh, I know you got a couple of name drops or at least one. What do you got? So I want to give my name drop this week to PepsiCo. Uh, who is actually one of our clients at Disability Solutions. They are in the finals for the Department of Labor um, Disability Excellence Award. And that in part is because of the program that we've helped them build through Pepsi Act that's hired almost 1,500 people with disabilities over the past seven years. And I'll actually be hopping off to Plano, Texas this week to present um, that program and some of the other fantastic work that Pepsi's doing in our community to actually change minds and change lives in front of the, the Department of Labor and the OFCCP. So super excited, so proud of them. The best example I can think of a company that's just fully bought into my tribe as a part of their workforce. So Good stuff. Uh, so for me, a bit somber, but necessary. Daphne Dorman, um, a transgender actress, activist, comedian. She was actually referred to in um, Dave Chappelle's most recent stand-up stint on Netflix, Sticks and Stones. Um, She was also a software engineer, Julie. She committed suicide on Friday uh, of last week. And so my name drop this week goes out to all of the people in the LGBTQIA community, but most importantly for this week, those that are under the umbrella of trans. And so if there's someone in your workplace, if there's someone in your community, if there's someone in your family, make sure you check on them. If they are trans or considering trans or recently you know, experience the transition. I I just want you to, I say it often, but I can't say it enough. I want us to be better humans. If you're in that community and you are dealing with this traumatic experience, this suicide or some other, please reach out for help. GLAD has a list of resources. You can find them at GLAD, G-L-A-A-D dot O-R-G. Uh, forward slash transgender forward slash resources. If you can't remember all of that, just go to glad G L A A D dot org. Uh, a number of resources, phone support, other support, just get help. You never know what's going on in someone else's head. And it only takes a second to make a huge impact and maybe make that big difference. We deal with this every day in my community. So thanks for that. I I didn't know about this until you mentioned it um, just before we recorded. And and I'll be honest, it's sitting heavy on me right now. So thanks for that. And we'll make sure that we also post that information on our Facebook and in the show notes so everyone can have access and share it. You want to tell people where you'll be this week or is it none of their business? Oh my gosh. I, sometimes I'm not even remember where I'm going this week. So <laughs> um, off to Plano for the, the Pepsi event. Very excited, but also very, very excited to do a reverse recruiting day with smart recruiters. Okay. Smart Recruiters has invited about 100 recruiters from their team and teams all around the Bay Area in San Francisco to come meet, network, and engage 
talent seeker or talented job seekers with disabilities, including vets with disabilities. So we have um, about 50 job seekers coming to get some help with resumes, interviewing, learn about the jobs at all of these different employers. And my team it, is going to do some training with those recruiters to talk about how to engage talent with disabilities at the at the interview process. So we are so excited and I hope I'm going to be re- able to report out in the next couple of weeks that some people found work and that some recruiters had their minds changed about what our community can do. So totally pumped up for that and, and looking forward to it. Yeah. So I have a couple of private events that are coming up. So naming the organizations really won't matter. Uh, but what I am excited about is during the first week of the December, I'm going to travel down to Miami uh, during Art Basel. I don't know if you're familiar with Art Basel. Actually, it's pronounced Art Basel, B-A-S-E-L. Are you familiar with it, Julie? I'm not. Tell me. No worries. So Art Basel um, actually brings artists from all walks of life down. It's like a Coachella for artists down in Miami. And it's not only in Miami, they hold it in a variety of cities all around the world. And so the reason why I'm excited is because I've been trying, I've never shared this with you, but I've been trying since 2016 to do a dinner um, for people that really care about diversity and inclusion, equity and belonging. And unfortunately, another year is going by and I'm not going to have that dinner. However, first week of December, I am going to travel down to Miami, identify a location, lock in that location. And in 2020, um, that's just going to be one of the new things that we offer to the uh, diversity and inclusion space. We have some incredible people in our space. Uh, I want to continue to do things that are creative and different. Uh, And so I am excited that I'm finally going to hop on a plane. I've made the time. I've made the commitment. And we're going to make the investment and put together an incredible one in a one day and a half experience for people in the DNI space. So I'm looking forward to that. So that's my that's my uh, thing for this week. I think the pod was awesome. I love chatting with you. I'm really excited about the new ideas that we've bounced around. Can't wait to begin sharing them with uh, other listeners. But that's what it is. Listen, Julie, I just want to remind people: share the pod, be better humans. Real, real simple for me. How about you? Yep. Yeah. Be more fucking human. It's going to be the 2019 theme and the 2020 theme. And the 2021 theme and the 2022 theme. Be more fucking human. For now, I'm Ghost. See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy and the King. I'm Julie Sowash with my co-host, Torin Ellis. Follow us on social media, but you can also now find Crazy and the King on Facebook at our website, crazyintheking.com, or follow our hashtag like you have been. This episode was produced by me, Julie Sowash. Our music is by the amazing DJ Cell straight out of Baltimore. And if you like our podcast, please rate it and share it with a friend. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.